0: So the reading's from uh, 1 John, uh, chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 1, actually. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in, in, and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Father, as we hear Steve preach to us, open our eyes, help us to walk in the light, and live as you lived. Amen.
1: Thanks, Fiona. Fiona, thank you very much for for reading for us. Um, Let me add my welcome uh, to David's. Good to to continue to press on uh, through this most excellent letter. Um, We know, don't we, that, that it matters to us to make sure that you've got the real thing rather than something that actually turns out not to be. Uh, Friday, uh, Beth and I had a, my wife and I had a day up in London, and uh, found ourselves in the National Gallery. Very nice, see all those sort of old masters, a bit of Van Gogh, a bit of Monet, and my current favourite artist called Pizarro. And they had a new acquisition, um, and I was going to try and get a copy of it, well not not obviously. I mean a, a picture of it that's what I mean, a picture of it put up on the, on the screen for you to have a look at um, and then I went online and there were no pictures available and even on the National Gallery they didn't have a picture of it available and I thought ooh perhaps this new acquisition, perhaps it's not a real one after all perhaps it's a, perhaps it's a fake now I assume that at the National Gallery there's somebody there whose job it is to make sure that the, that the paintings that they acquire are the real thing that's what you want isn't it and it's the same, not only in high culture, but all over the place. You buy a pair of Ray-Bans, you get yourself a pair of Levi's. You want to know that they're the real thing, that they're not a, a cheap imitation just with a badge shoved on them. Well, in, like, um, in a similar kind of way, the situation that gets addressed in this next little section of, of John's letter kind of is engaging with the question of how do you know that you're the real thing as a Christian believer? Because the context of the, of the letter here uh, that we've been seeing um, is that there are some who belonged to, to this Christian community and had gone out and had gone out saying what we believe is the right thing, what you believe is the wrong thing. We're the real deal and you're not. So you can imagine, that's a pretty unnerving kind of situation, isn't it? And, and the question of, well, who's right? Have I got the real thing? Am I the real thing? Would be a big issue uh, for these Christians to whom jo- John writes. Well, how then should we judge? How should we make that appraisal? It, it, are we just going to do it on what people say? Well, no. John doesn't recommend that approach. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that there were lots of claims. Uh, John writes about claims in chapter 1, verse 6, and chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 1, verse 10. If we claim, if we claim, if we claim. But the claim on its own is not enough because lots of people are making claims. It's one thing to claim something, quite another for it to be true. So how can you be sure And the question is not so much how can you be sure about other people, but how can you be sure about yourself? Do I know Jesus or don't I? But actually, you see in verse 3 of chapter 2, it's more than just do I know him. John is writing about knowing that you know him. See how that first uh, sentence, we're going to look at verses 3 through to 11, see how that first sentence goes. We know that we have come to know him, if. i will get to the if in a moment. There are different kinds of knowing, aren't there? Um, you might ask yourself, do I know A-level biology? I don't know why you would ask yourself that. I suppose it might be that you're just about to take an exam in A-level biology. You might ask, do I know A-level biology? Yeah, you know, I went to school. I turned up at the biology classes. I read the textbooks. Um, so... Yeah, I know A-level biology. But do I know that I know? You know, when the summer comes and the exam places in front of me, will I, will I know? Do I know that I know? Well, one way of checking that out would be to take a mock exam, wouldn't it? Because then you would know that you know. And some see this letter that John writes a little bit like that as a series of kind of little mock exams. Um, And so they identify different tests that are tucked in here. Like, there's a doctrinal test. Do you believe the right things? Tick or cross. The moral test, do you behave the right way? Tick or cross. The social test, do you love the way you're supposed to? Tick or cross. And you, you take the test, and you see if you pass only, of course, the tricky thing there is what is the pass mark? Because, because if you read it like that, then verse 3 we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. There's the ethical test. Well, how many commands? And how completely? Is, is the pass mark 50% of the commands? 85% of the commands? 100% of the commands? The same in verse uh, 5, end of that paragraph. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I mean, completely, in every way. I've got, I've got to move to the Middle East. The test is a different kind of test. And the knowing is a different kind of knowing. Because it's not knowing bits of information that's being talked about here, but it, it's knowing a person and knowing that you know that person. And I think the tests have a different kind of flavor to them. Uh, let me try and um, illustrate by by putting it like this. Um, many of you know um, Matt and Joe, who's right at the back now, Matt and Joe, Lily Crab, Okay? Um, now, suppose you came across somebody who said they belonged to the lilycrap family. How would you know if that's true? Well, you could apply some tests. I mean, here would be a good test. Come Christmas, whose home are they in? That'd be a good test, wouldn't it? If they're really in the lilycrap family, you'd expect to find them in the lily crap home come Christmas. Or if there is a lilycrap wedding, Will they be there? Will they be invited? That'd be another good test. Or or when a a member of the lilycrap family is in trouble, do they pitch in? Uh, If uh, a relative is ill, do they visit? If a sibling is in trouble, do they help? They'd all be good tests. Because they're not the thing that proves you're a lilycrap. Because anybody could do those kind of things. But taken together, they would be evidence that you belong. Because that's the kind of stuff that you do if you're part of the Lillicrap family. And I suppose if, if a Lillicrap junior was having some sort of identity crisis, uh, they could set their minds at rest by just looking at those things and saying, well, oh, yeah, well, I do, don't know, I'm, I'm here at Christmas, and I pitch up at the family events, and the other members of the family, they, they matter to me, and I, and I care for them and do stuff for them. Identity cries over. Of course I'm a lily crab. It's the same kind of thing in 1 John. Do you see the difference? We're not saying, here's a test and you've got to get over the pass mark. No, it's more like, here are measures that just confirm that I am part of what I claim to be. And, and there are two uh, tests that are being set out here, two measures, two ways of telling that are to be used in this kind of way. Um, the first uh, is you know that you know him because you keep his commands. You know that you know him because you keep his commands. It would be bizarre, wouldn't it, to, to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ but I, I show no interest whatsoever in doing what he says. That'd be really odd. Be a bit like saying, uh, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of this author, but I've never read one of their books. I love that band, but actually I've never listened to any of their music. I mean, that would just be weird, wouldn't it? Well, in a similar way, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I'm not really bothered about doing what he says. It would be just weird. It wouldn't fit. Hard to imagine how you could have made Jesus your king, come to know him as your Lord, and show no interest either in finding out what his commands are or following them wouldn't fit, wouldn't make sense. So as we come to this first sort of measure, you know that you know him because you keep his commands. Understand it the right way. Don't go saying, so you mean I've got to keep all of his commands. No, that's taking it like the sort of the mock exam for the A-level. It's not like that. It's perfectly possible to know him and fail to keep some of his commandments. That, That happens. Uh, That's why John writes back in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. No, 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 we know that we sin. We know that we fail to keep commandments sometimes. But overall, what we do is we want to keep God's commands. We want to follow. So in the same way that it would be perfectly possible to be in the Lily family but miss a family wedding, or be away from home one Christmas. That could happen, but it would bother you. You'd be kind of disappointed. You'd know that you want to be there. Uh, And it's a bit unfortunate that you're not there. So in the same kind of way, we ought to ask ourselves, how is it with us and Christ's commands? Does it bother me, what he commands? Do I take the trouble to find out? I read the Bible because I'm interested in knowing what it is he commands and seeking it out. And, and do I then set about trying to think, how can I keep these? And sometimes if I fail to keep a command, well, I notice and it bothers me. Well, if that's the way it is with you, then kind of know that that's what this test shows about you. You're somebody who's bothered about the commands that Jesus makes. You're bothered about keeping them. It troubles when you fail to keep them. You're not like somebody who just couldn't care less, really. That's the evidence. The demonstration that you follow Christ. You can know that you know him. Now, it soon becomes clear as we move into the second of our paragraphs in verse 7 that John uh, has one particular commandment in mind. Uh, but it all sounds like a bit of a riddle at first, doesn't it? Uh, verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. Well, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Uh, and you kind of, is it new or is it old? a bit confused now, John. You know, which is it? I think it gets a little bit clearer for us when we remember something that Jesus said uh, to his disciples in John chapter 13. Do you remember this? Jesus said, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. In one sense, there is absolutely nothing new about the command to love, is there? I mean, it's been around forever. It's been there from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Find it in the Old Testament. In that sense, it's an old commandment, been around for a long time. But here, Jesus is making it a new commandment because of the, the pattern the style, the manner of the loving that he has in mind there's going to be a radically new love that he's going to set in front of people and urge people to live in imitation of, his love his love demonstrated on the cross his love that we remember when we share bread and wine together in a moment that's radically new that's a love no one has ever seen before God is love Not that we love him, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love, that God should do such a thing. And suddenly, uh, we see love as we've never seen it before. So, second heading, how do we know that we know him? Well, not only because we keep his commands, but because we love the church. Or in the language here, that that we love our brothers and sisters. See it in verse 9 anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. I became a Christian a long time ago, back in 1981. I was 20 years old and I was a medical student. And at that point in my life, certain things mattered to me. One of the things that mattered to me was that I was cool and trendy. Now, I know, I know, I know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, but, but strange as it seems, that was something that mattered to me then. Um, it was almost certainly delusional uh, at that point in my life, but, you know, uh, it mattered to me that I was cool and trendy. And the other thing that mattered to me was sport. I played lots of sport. So... Fast forward a year in my Christian life. Uh, and uh, what am I now? So I know I'm 21 years old and I'm sat in a student room in a student Bible study. And I can still remember the moment. Do, do you have, have you got memories like that that are, that are so vivid that they just, sort of, they just sort of stuck with you and you can sort of recapture the moment? Lots of things passed, don't they? But this particular moment, I can remember. I can remember looking round the room and I can remember gazing at all the people sat in that room uh, in that student Bible study. And I can remember thinking, not one of the people here is cool and trendy. And that probably included me, but, but I wanted to pretend it wasn't. You know, no one there was cool and trendy. And, and as far as I could tell, no one there in that room probably had ever met a ball, never learned, knew what to do with one. And I remember thinking, they're not like me. And yet I also simultaneously remember thinking, but I like them. I'm enjoying spending time with them. They have become people who matter to me. Not because they shared my passion for sport, but because they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And I remember it being both a surprising and a very significant moment look at verse 9 again anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness walks around in the darkness they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them We're back into that light-dark theme, another loop round uh, the spiral staircase. Uh, It was there back in chapter 1, verse 5, where we're told that God is light and that he has made himself known by the revealing of Jesus. Jesus has shown the love with which God loves us. Jesus has shown us this sacrificial love, this other-person-centred love, this give-up-everything-that-I-have-for-the-benefit-of-another-person love. And John is saying, you know that you know him when you find that that kind of love is beginning to emerge from you towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the key place where that happens, obviously, is church. So, so ask yourself, how do we operate within church? Who is it that you spend time with? Because if you notice that when you, when you head down for coffee in a bit or when you're on the that walk uh, for men this coming Saturday, if you notice that Actually, rather than just seeking out the people that you like and that you've met before and the people that do stuff that you do, if you notice that actually it bothers you to, to look out for those who are different to you, who are a different stage of life, have different interests, but you still care about them because they're your brother or sister in Christ, you still make time for them. Maybe you notice that they're on their own on the walk, so you lag back and join them and chat to them. Not because you think they're the, the most exciting person on the walk and, and somebody that you'd love to spend time with, but just because you love them with that sacrificial other-person-centred kind of love. If you find that that's what you do, if you find that's the way that you feel towards other people in the church family, when you, when you pitch up at a small group, And what matters to you is not, oh, are there any people in this group who are like me? Are there people who are at the same stage of life as me? Because I feel really cross if there aren't. And instead of that, what you are glad to do is just say, oh, these are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's great that I can spend time with them. Great that I can get to know them. Great that I can come to love them. Well, if you find that that's what you do, then that's the evidence. That's the demonstration that you know him. You can know that you know him if that's the way you operate. Church lets you do that. Church is the place to do that. Church is intended to be a community like that. It's supposed to be distinctive. It's supposed to be Christ-shaped. It's supposed to be the place that people look in on and say, there's something different there, something distinctive about the way that people care for one another. The Lord's Supper that we're about to share kind of points us in this direction in at least a couple of ways. By sharing the Lord's Supper together, by all drinking from the same cup or sharing from the same bread, we're saying we're in this together together doesn't mean we agree on everything all sorts of things that as a community we may have different views about Uh, some of us like one sort of song some of us like a different sort of song some of us want this event some of us would much rather have that event some think we should spend church money like this some think it'd be much better if we spent it like that some think that was the right staff person to appoint some thinks we should have appointed that member of staff instead we'll disagree on those things because we're different people with different perspectives. Of course, we won't agree on everything. The question isn't, do I agree with everyone? The question is, do I belong even when I don't agree? See, see, being in the Lillicrap family doesn't mean that you agree on everything that Lilycrap does. I mean, what Mark and Joe decide to do, the colour scheme they've chosen for some particular uh, uh, social event... And you don't, you don't say, well, I'm not going because I don't like that colour scheme. Of course, you're there. You may not like the colour scheme, but you still go. Yeah, you may be a bit disappointed that you know Christmas lunch this year is bread and cheese instead of turkey. Yeah, You may not think that was a good decision, but you still go because it's your family. And being church doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it means we're in it together and the second thing that this Lord's Supper does is is point us to the character of the love that we've received in Christ to urge us to imitate it to urge us to live in the same way that Christ lived to love the same way that Christ loved so do you know that you know him here are John's two ways uh, to reassure us of that Commands matter to you, bothers you. You know that you know him. Church matter to you, people here matter to you. You know that you know him. They're the grounds. Let me lead us uh, in a prayer and then we're going to sing another song. Uh, Father God, we thank you for the character of the love that you have shown us in Christ. Um, It is a love unlike any other, that you, our creator, you, the ruler of all things, uh, you uh, who uh, surpasses uh, greater than the heavens, uh, you should come into our world uh, and give up uh, your glory uh, to go to a cross uh, to love us and die for us. Uh, And uh, uh, as we... As we come to know Christ, who has loved us like that, uh, so we come to live in imitation of Him. Uh, uh, please, would uh, you form form us into the community uh, that you would want us to be? Uh, as we understand uh, His love more fully, more richly, uh, and grant that um, sharing bread and wine together, um, all ages. Um, Uh, in this way now. Uh, would be one of the ways in which you press upon us uh, just how richly you have loved us in Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.